appreciate you doing that so much. We're in the front yard here this morning, what I'm calling Kimberly Lane Studios, uh, here in our front yard and our swing. And we're just grateful to God to have the opportunity to be with you. Uh, of course, Steve's with me on the camera, and he's going to help me. Uh, we want to take some time to just say hello this morning because of not being able to meet in person and having to go back to online only for two weeks. So, uh, Steve, who we got watching so I can say hello? Right now I got Sarah and Terry. Sarah Newell Hyatt and John Hyatt and Terry Albro Burson. Is that how you say it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Sarah. Glenn. Who's that? Glenn's on. Glenn checked in. All right, good. I hope Glenn and the Hyatt bunch are good this morning. Just want to take a minute while we're getting started to say hello to you because not being able to see you. All I can see is the back side of the camera and Steve, and neither one of those are very pretty, so if I can say hello to y'all, it's really good. But he does have on his Crowder t-shirt, his Run Devil Run t-shirt, and we probably need to be shouting that more than ever, don't we? Uh, but nevertheless, it is good to see everybody this morning, uh, even though it's not how we anticipated doing. But I mentioned a few things just uh, while we're getting started. Uh, 2020 has definitely been a year of firsts. November the 14th this year will be uh, I will complete Lord willing 27 years in pastoral ministry uh, and then in my 34 35th year I'll be past 34 here toward 35 years of total ministry and uh, 27 of those been as a pastor so uh, still a lot of firsts it's the first year that I ever um, had to preach to an empty auditorium on Easter Sunday <clears throat> first year I've ever experienced a shutdown due to any sickness of any kind and uh, now is becoming the first uh, times that I've had to lead a worship service from my front yard so anyhow it's just good to see you this way I'd much rather be able to connect with you this way than not at all for sure it's not our preferred way but it's the way we're having to do that so today September 27th and next Sunday October 4th we'll be meeting online only at 10 a.m. so I want to encourage you to remember that share that with everybody that you possibly can <clears throat> to encourage them to watch uh, live at 10 if at all possible but if for some reason it's not possible can watch the recorded version we are you know running through our box cast today which does put us with Facebook live it does put us YouTube live and all of our other viewing options that you can access through our website hefflinbaptist.org i say that because when i start trying to call them out i forget some steve has to help me so do remember that we'll encourage you to stay up to date this week uh, with some online video updates we'll be doing through the week lord willing i would encourage you just to um, pay close attention to our social media sites as we do that um, all of our updates that we have done and all of our Sunday school lessons and all of our worship services throughout the pandemic are all available on YouTube if you miss something and for some reason are unable to access it on Facebook whatever you can always go to YouTube search Heflin Baptist Church and you can find all of those uh, videos there click subscribe on the YouTube channel click subscribe isn't that what they all say click yep. subscribe what can they click the bell and it'll ring and give you a notification? I don't know if it, it I think it gives you notifications. Gives you a notification. I'm learning all this stuff and I've had to learn and fast forward since March. So I'm very grateful for all of our guys, Steve and Tim, and our guys and gals that run the computer up there, Tina and Brenda and Carla, and, and just all of those who have really uh, worked extra to make this uh, time <clears throat> more bearable so thankful for them thankful for our sunday school teachers i just want to never forget to let you guys know how much your extra effort means to me because that's helping uh, stay connected as best as possible during this time so stay up to date with us this week on videos of course wednesday night 6 30 will definitely be live we'll do other updates as needed uh, we had a plan on friday we put out a video before we knew that we were going to have to go back to online uh, very late Friday night into Saturday morning. Uh, Friday, during the day, we put out a video uh, with uh, the anticipation of reopening Children's Church and a staffed nursery on October 4th. Well, of course, uh, with our current situation, that won't be possible for that particular week, 
but I would encourage you to stay up to date with us uh, as we work through this process. Lord willing, we'll be back to in-person worship on October 11th, and uh, we will be making announcements between now and then whether that would be a day that we would begin to offer Children's Church or maybe the 18th. That hasn't been settled yet, so please continue to pray for us. I know it's frustrating for you, and I know it's really trying on your patience, and I understand that. And I want you to know that it's the same for me. It is frustrating. It is really stretching our patience and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the thing I understand is, is that as long as God gets glory, nothing else really matters. And my comfort is not his goal. My happiness is not his goal. He's wanting to make me more like his son, Jesus. And maybe this is an area of my life that I really needed help in being more like Jesus. And he's working diligently on all of us through that. So uh, do, do be patient with us as your church leadership, understanding that the decisions we make from day to day are based on the best information we have at that moment. That may change rather rapidly during this time. And when it does, it's not that we're indecisive or haphazard. It's just new information comes available, and we have to make decisions based on that. Okay? I also mentioned to you in our video on Friday that, Lord willing, I want to uh, soon, which I will not be able to do that as soon as I'd hope, uh, because I do love the sheep, because God's called me to be a shepherd. This has been a very uh, difficult time not being able to be able to uh, be as closely related to you, because we are built for relationships. And I'd mentioned how I would love the opportunity, if you feel it's safe and allow, uh, we need to stop by and just spend a few minutes on the front porch and just say hello, uh, maybe pray with you, see how you're doing. Um, of course, that's going to be pushed back a little bit than what we'd expected. I'd hope to start at that this week, but we're going to have to move it back to later in the month. So we will be giving you updates on that too. If you're not comfortable with that, that's quite all right. You will not hurt my feelings, I promise you because I don't want to hurt yours because I want to do everything I can to help you. But I do want you to know that you matter. I do want you to know that I care. And I do want you to know that I believe with all of my heart God's working this thing for his good. So do remember that. And then also I want to thank you for your continued faithfulness to give and support of the ministry of Heflin Baptist Church. It's been such a blessing to me to be able to uh, see that our ministry emphasis continues locally regionally nationally and globally uh, that we are still supporting all of our missions emphasis that we had set aside for the 2020 budget in the midst of a worldwide pandemic uh, and i want you to know what a blessing that is for me we've been able to do extra things for our friends in utah in the when they were being moved to a new location in need of help for their children's ministry we're able to do that. We've been able to continue to support our schools. It's been different because the things are different. We've been able to continue to show support there. And I trust that that's going to continue to be true. And we want you to know that. So I want to encourage you to continue to be faithful. Uh, you, you can still mail your tithe to PO Box 116. You can give through the tithe.ly app. Can look, you can just search it through our website, heflinbaptist.org. There's a tab for it, or you can go to tithe.ly, search Heflin Baptist Church, and it'll take you right to it. It gives you the option, and of course, your undesignated tithe that goes directly to support the church budget. Gives you the option to give to other other ministries that are that are in within our church. And this month, especially for our Myers Mallory offering. Um, that we're emphasizing for state missions. There's a tab for there also. We'd encourage you to be faithful in all those things. So that's a, that's some uh, just some housekeeping stuff that we have to do from week to week and day to day. And I just want you to know how much um, I'm grateful uh, for how you're supporting what God is doing, and I pray that you continue to do that. I want to call your attention to a passage of Scripture in the 139th Psalm. And I want to say to you, uh, after we completed talking about Daniel's prayer, uh, there is a section I want to get into here soon, uh, the last part of the book of Daniel. But God's really stirred my heart on a couple of things that I want to deal with uh, today and through the month of October. 
and Lord willing, and I'll be sharing more with you about that in the coming week as we do our updates, but Lord willing, I want to encourage you in this area because um, I believe with all of my heart that God still has a plan for America. I believe God still has a plan for uh, our, our churches, our homes, and our individual lives. And that being said, I'm going to be talking a lot about that over the next month. Uh, it's, it has nothing to do with, look here, Mo, are you coming to see me? Come here. Look, i tell you what, we're getting a special guest visit here today. Say hello to everybody, Mo. She likes me to rub her neck and rub her old belly. She's just a spoiled dog, I'll tell you, but she's the best dog I could ever have. All right, Mo. Okay, now, we can't play now. We'll have to play after we get done. It's church time, all right? All right, Mo, go play. <laughs> She'll... She's on patrol this morning. She's probably hungry again. It's only been an hour since she's eaten. So. Anyhow, uh, but nevertheless, I want to share with you from Psalm 139. I know Steve's got the outline up for you because I believe what we find in these two verses that I'm going to share with you today, they're very special to me for many reasons. One, it's the Word of God. It's the God-breathed Word from heaven to mankind. So I'm thankful for it because of that. But I'm also very thankful for how these words speak to my heart in every situation, especially the situation that we're in now during this time of uh, pandemic and roller coaster ride. I told somebody the other day, I feel like it's the first time I ever rode the scream machine. I can remember when the scream machine was the big roller coaster and then the mind bender came after it, the Six Flags. and. And those were the two big roller coasters, biggest ones in the southeast, Steve. I mean, everybody wanted to ride those two roller coasters. First time I rode it, I remember going up the top of that big hill, and when it came over the top, I looked down to the bottom, and it looked like it was a never-ending pit, like I'd never get there. And then as soon as I got to the bottom of that first hill, I was up the top of the next hill. And then it went through a series of up and down and up and down and up and down, and I felt like the up and down was never going to stop. But I sure was thankful when it slowed down and just eased back into the station. Because I, I could say I rode it, but then I could say I never have to do that again. But anyhow, uh, I, I can remember being so relieved when it rolled into the station. Well, friends, one day we are going to roll into the home station. It's called a place called Glory. And it's a place where the soul of man never dies. It's a place where we'll never grow old. So we are going to that station someday, but there's going to be a whole lot of ups and downs and sometimes more downs and ups between here and there. But let me share these two verses with you from Psalm 139, uh, verses 23 and 24. The 139th Psalm is just awesome. It has so much for us. But these two verses, David begins to really sum up, excuse me, sum up what he's been talking about throughout this entire psalm. Verses 23 and 24, the 139th Psalm, say these words. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's just read that again together. We're, we're in no hurry today, are we? He said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Won't you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you for the day you've given us. And God, I know the way we're having to meet today is not our preferred way. But God, it has nothing to do with what makes us comfortable. It's not about what's our preference. It's all about continuing to be faithful even when things are most difficult. Lord, I know this has been a trying time. It's been a very frustrating time. But Father, I know that in the midst of all that, you're still Lord. You're still our Father. As the song says, in little or much, I still feel your touch. You're still Lord. Now, Lord, I pray you take your word today. And God, you just speak to the hearts of your people. And God, that you would use this preacher today. God, that you would help me to show forth the praises of him who's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And I pray you receive ultimate glory through the changing of hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 
Today I'm speaking to you on the subject of the significance of obedience. Uh, I'll tell you, I believe that David really knew something about that, and he knew that obedience was one of the very main characteristics of those who have given their lives to Christ and following Him uh, throughout this life. See, the Scriptures repeatedly remind us of the importance of demonstrating obedience in our daily lives. 1 Samuel 15, 22 teaches us that to obey is better than sacrifice. So as an obedient Christian, I believe, is one who understands that his or her willingness to do whatever God wants, wherever God wants, whenever God wants, is our highest duty on earth. I really believe that. Obedience is good. Now, if I get to moving in this wing or kind of doing side to side, y'all forgive me. I'm trying to be still because I know some of you get motion sick, right? But nevertheless, it's just the way I used to always fidget it in my seat when I was in elementary school and wait when I was in high school and wait when I was in college and wait today. Yeah, I still do that. So nevertheless, uh, I struggle a little bit with that. So y'all pray for me. Uh, but I believe obedience is a key. See, King David closes this psalm much the same way as he began in verse 1. If you'll look at verse 1, here's what it says. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. Uh, he's talking about the searching of God in verse 1, and in the last verses, he returns to that. Not of his own volition, but he is being led by the Holy Spirit of God as he pens these words so that you and I could read them thousands of years later and still know the importance of having God to search us and know us in the depth of our being. See, in this opening verse, Psalm 139, verse 1, David acknowledged the need for deep investigation in his life. Uh, he knew that God must do that, and the only difference in the ending verse from the beginning verse of Psalm 139 is that he invites a fresh, ongoing, continuing investigation into his future. He's saying, Lord, I know you've searched my past. I know you're searching my present, but I want to invite you. I want to open myself up completely to you that you might continue to do this investigation in my heart and life in the days ahead. He said, from now on, I want you to search me and know me. See, in verses 19 through 22 of that 139th Psalm, David describes his attitude toward the wicked and the disobedient who oppose the work of God on earth. Well, we see that a lot today, don't we? People are wicked people in this world today, opposing the work of God all around this country and around the world. See, it was not just in our day, it was in David's day, and here's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be sure that he would not be an accomplice to their sinful works. He wanted to make sure that the world knew whose side he was on. Yesterday was the opening day of Southeastern Conference football for the 2020 season. Is any? I hope there's some hands going up, some witnesses somewhere in the house out there today say, praise God that they let the big boys play so all the middle school teams and the other conferences could get to the side. The big boys showed up yesterday. Now yesterday, I would, I would venture to say that if you were around a TV, as I had to be, I, they just forced me. They forced me to watch college football yesterday. Um, I would imagine that when your team played, nobody had to guess whose side you were on. Now, I told you yesterday morning, I was praying for an Auburn loss and a Bama win. Which, you know, hey, you know that's me. Many of you on the other side uh, were praying for a Auburn win and a Bama loss. Well, we're both a little disappointed. But can we not both rejoice in the fact that LSU lost? <laughs> Amen, right? I see the hands going up, the hearts, the likes, the thumbs up. They're going everywhere, Steve, right? We can all rejoice in the fact that LSU lost to, who, to Mississippi State. Awesome. At Tiger Stadium. I'm just – we can all find some joy in that, right? But we, we want the world to know whose side we're on when we choose a team. But David is saying this. He said, I want the world to know that I'm with God and I'm with him and I don't want to be an accomplice of the sinful works of God, so the sinful works of the world. So what I need to do is constantly invite the investigating hand of God. Let him search me, know every dark recess of my heart to keep me from falling into the ways of the world. So how did he do that? Well, there's four 
statements, if you will, or four uh, areas that I believe that David said, here's, where I, here's what I need you to do, God. I know you'll do it, but here's what I want you to do because these statements indicate a clear desire on the part of David to walk obediently with the Lord. And I believe that these same statements also define for us what our title is today, the significance of obedience. I believe that. Here's the first one he made. First one he made was he said, Lord, I want you to prove me. Where do you see that? Well, he said, search me and know my heart. I want there to be proof that I belong to you and that I'm on your side and that uh, I'm going to walk with you and not be an accomplice to the sinful works of the world. The definition of search in the original Hebrew language means this. It means to examine with pains, care, and accuracy. Let me say that again. To examine with pains, care, and accuracy in order to make a full and clear discovery or complete exact calculation. He's saying here, when I want you to search me, God, I know that you're holy. I know that you're no respecter of persons, so I know that there's no way that you'll be playing any favorites or leaving any stone unturned. You're going to make an exact calculation of where I am. See, David is not asking the Lord to merely skim the surface here. He's not saying, I just want you to pick out the good parts of my life. No, he's not doing that. He is asking the Lord to see if he has accurately represented his feelings toward his holy character. How many of us today would open ourselves up enough to God and say, God, I want you to search me, prove me. I want there to be proof. I want you to find with exact calculation what's really real about me, and I want to make sure that I am accurately representing you to a lost world. Boy, that, that, that's something I believe every child of God needs to do, and I believe the example David's giving us is one to follow. It's much like if uh, you've ever been to a cardiologist. I haven't been to one personally I, I i've been with a lot of people i've been with my parents i know what the drill is and if i live long enough i know that i'll be doing that someday too but here's the drill they take you in they say okay what's going on well i don't feel good well what's why you mean you don't feel good well i'm tired i'm not got all these different things and they begin to say well let's draw some blood they always want to draw blood vampires they just want to draw some blood and then when they draw the blood they say we're going to set you up for a little test and, and then, they, then they say, well, what kind of test is it? And then they throw this word. Uh, it's a stress test. I don't know about y'all. I'm in one of them every day, right? I don't have to get on the treadmill to be in a stress test. But they'll do that, and they'll say, okay. If you're physically able, they'll do the stress test where you walk, or they'll do one through medicine or whatever. But then if they don't have a good reading from the stress test, they'll schedule you for another test. They'll say, what we need to do is we need to do a heart catheterization. And that's when you know it's not going to be a good day. But what they do with that is they begin to look and they begin to probe and they begin to find if there's any blockages in your arteries. And if they do and they cannot be repaired easily, they schedule you for surgery. And that surgery is to repair those blockages. See, a cardiologist is a highly skilled medical doctor. They're not just any doctor. They have specialized in understanding the most inner workings of the human heart. They work for the function purpose of the heart, and once a problem has been revealed, they are trained specifically in procedures of how they can correct your problem. If you have blockages, it may need a stent. It may need bypass. It may could be corrected with just some prescription medication, depending on how serious it is. You may have other things, but they are highly skilled in how to take care of that. Now, what happens if you go to this doctor and he finds that you uh, have reason to have a stress test, have reason to have a catheterization, have a reason to have to have some surgery because of the fact that you um, have a medical condition that can't be fixed any other way. Well, I want you to know most of us would never say, you know what, it'll work out, it'll buff out. No, we won't do that. It's not going to buff out when it gets to that point. You need, you need somebody to fix it. See, our Heavenly Father is also a highly skilled spiritual cardiologist. Did you know that? He doesn't just work on physical hearts. He could, but that's not the limitation for him. See, your physical cardiologist can only help you with your physical heart. 
He can't do anything for your spiritual life. But our Lord Jesus, He can do that. See, our Heavenly Father knows our hearts because He designed us. He says this about our heart in His Word in Jeremiah 17, 9. He said, the heart above all is desperately wicked. Now, that's not talking about that piece of meat that's pumping in your chest. He's talking about who you really are, who, who we really are before him. He said it's desperately wicked, but once he reveals the problem, here's the good news. It's one thing to realize that our hearts are desperately wicked, but once he reveals the problem, which is sin, here's what the good news is. He has a remedy. Uh, it's not just a prescription medication that'll fix one thing and start four more other problems. No, it's not just a stress test. It's not just a catheterization. It's not just a bypass or a stent. Here's what he does. He remedied our sin debt that we had before him through the blood of his own son. Oh, I'm so grateful for that. See, we live in a country today where people all they want to talk about is tolerance. I hear where they say all religions are equal. Well, the thing about Christianity is it's not a religion. Thank God, it's about relationship. But there are some that say, well, it's no different whether you're a, a, a Christian, whether you're a, a Muslim or whatever. But I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the Christian faith is the only faith that teaches us that it's not about sending your son to die for your, that God. It's about our God sent his son to die in your place and the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. And he doesn't just fix us for a little while because let me tell you something about that stint. It could close up. Let me tell you something about that bypass. It may not work. All these things are just, they're human. They, they have the ability to falter and fail. But when God fixes us, there's no way we are unfixed. There's no way we continue to deal with the penalty of sin because he did with that, took care of that at Calvary. We just have to receive him as Savior, trust him as Lord. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, David challenges the fullest investigation, the innermost search. He had to be a true man of God who can put himself deliberately in such a crucible yet we may each one desire such a searching for it would be a terrible calamity for us to us for sin to remain in our hearts unknown and undiscovered isn't it a tragedy when someone has a, a, a human heart problem that goes undiscovered and unknown and it leads to their death. That's a tragic thing. It could have been fixed. They could have had a longer life. Well, for Christians, when we talk about our spiritual heart, if we allow sin and we allow deliberate disobedience to remain in our hearts, unknown and undiscovered, Spurgeon said it is the greatest calamity. Friend, hear me today. If you need God to search you, then I want to encourage you to invite him to do that. And here's the next thing I want to ask you to do is when you do invite him to do that, realize that once he reveals the problem, he has the remedy. You just have to surrender to him in repentance. See, it is the word of God and the spirit of God that penetrates and probes our hearts to reveal sin. I pray that we would be like David today that we would so desire to be separated from the wickedness of this world and those who oppose God that we would welcome the probing hand of God into our lives that he would keep us holy in his sight. Remember that. That's his goal, holiness for us, that we would be walking right in fellowship with him. David said, Lord, probe me. Now here's the second thing he said. He said, Lord, I want you to prove me. Oh, listen. He said, try me and know my anxieties. Wow, this, this is good stuff. See, the, in the original Hebrew, the word for try carries this meaning. It carries the meaning of proving the hearts and minds of men, especially by sending calamities upon them. Oh, my. We can agree with this, can't we? We can identify with what's going on here. Here's what David was doing. He was asking the Lord to test him as a refiner's metal and metal is tested by fire and water oh that's good see David was asking God to do this he said Lord I want you to exercise any and every test on me and he asked God to read not only the desires of his heart but even those stray and fugitive thoughts of his mind 
He's saying, Lord, it's not just what's in my heart. I need to get my mind cleared up because I know if I don't deal with it in my mind, it's going to make its way to my heart. It's going to take root there, and it's going to begin to control who I am, and it's going to keep me from bringing you ultimate glory. And David's making it very clear. He said, Lord, whatever it takes, get me right with you. Gregory Frizzell said this. He said, until your thoughts and attitudes are under God's control, you will never know the fullness of of life in Christ. Did you hear that? Until your thoughts and your attitude are under God's control, you'll never know the fullness. If you are just controlled by every emotion that comes along, and, and, and it just I'm telling you, you'll never know the fullness of God. you got to give it to Him, and He doesn't do that unless He probes you and He proves you. See, when we're not living under the living with our confidence in God, and when we're not living under his control, here's what it does. Happens to me sometimes, and I'm going to be very transparent with you in just a minute. Here's what it does. It leads to anxiety. Oh, wow. Here's what researchers tell us. Researchers tell us that more people are struggling with anxiety today than any other time in history. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing to think about that? That at this point in history, in the 21st century, when we got all the technology and we got all the medical advancements that more people are struggling with it today than they have at any time in history. So what does David teach us? David acknowledges his own struggles. You know what that does for us? It qualifies us to struggle with some level of personal anxiety. Chuck Swindoll said this. He said, anxiety is the painful uneasiness of the mind that feeds on impending fears. You know, I, did, I read some research a while back about worry, and I know we all got to be honest. Sometimes we give it different words like concern, and we give it different words. The truth of the matter is, I believe every person I'm talking to today and every person that view this video, even in the future, we all struggle with worry. You know why we worry is because we worry because of things we're afraid is going to happen even before they do happen. Some of the research I read not too many years ago shared with me that most of the things we worry about never happen anyhow. Well, that was before this time that we're living in. That was before this pandemic. That was before we began to see such chaos in our streets again. Before we saw chaos and upheaval in government again. So do you think that the level of people struggling with anxiety has increased in the past six months? I'd say absolutely. And the longer it goes, I believe that number increases. See, in anxiety's mildest form, we simply churn inside. But in its most severe form, sometimes we panic. You know, this is something I personally struggle with for probably about the last... 20 years. Up till then, I, I didn't really know what it was like. I, I get a little nervous about things sometimes, but it's something that is a daily struggle for me. And um, I would imagine many of you watching have some of the same struggles. But I'm kind of a high-functioning anxiety guy because I can still carry on, and you may not even know I'm struggling. But uh, inside, we know. Here's what Swindoll said, and I stole this from one of his books, and I'll steal from Swindoll and give him credit till Jesus comes because the reason I share these things with you is because they're good, informative things, and plus I want to encourage you to be a good reader too so you can learn more about ways you can handle the challenges that life's continuing to throw at us. Here's three things he says anxiety does, and they should be on your, your feed there. The first one is that anxiety highlights the human viewpoint strangles the divine so we become fearful. You had any fear in the last six months? Oh, sure you have. I'd be lying to you if I said I did. The first two or three weeks of this pandemic when America was in total shutdown, I didn't really know which way to turn. I really didn't. I didn't know uh, how to feel and just began to kind of feel kind of numb and just began to know that I had to do everything I could 
to reach out to y'all and to encourage y'all and do everything I could to let you know that the Lord's the Lord. But inside many days, I, I, I was struggling. Well, as time went on, I realized this thing's going to be with us and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. And as I got through that, I began to be able to handle it better. But I'll tell you, I know how it feels to feel like you're strangling inside and nobody knows it but you. That's what it does. We become fearful. Secondly, anxiety chokes our ability to, to distinguish the incidental from the essential so we get distracted. Oh, it's easy to get distracted in a time like this. I, I see people doing this. I see people in, uh, in society, maybe it's our church. I hope not, but I know I've seen other churches where people, you know, lashing out at their pastor, lashing out at their leadership, making statements that they don't really know what they're talking about. And they don't realize what that does to the people that they're saying that about. It causes us to get distracted. And I want to encourage you that, uh, and I know, I know that you know I love you, and I know you love me. And I want to encourage us to keep that because the one thing Satan would love to do is try to divide that. And like I've told you, if you ever hear anybody during this putting down their leaders or whatever, don't be afraid to say, hey, you don't know what you're talking about because you don't know what kind of pressure they're under right now. And you don't know what kind of stress and strain they got going on. And you don't want to be anybody that adds to their anxiety. There's a third thing is anxiety siphons our joy and makes us judgmental. Wow. Makes us judgmental rather than acceptable of others. Does it mean we quit making judgments about right and wrong? No, no it doesn't mean that. It just means that most people who are so judgmental just have no joy in of their own self their relationship with God if they have one. So therefore what they do is they um, begin to point fingers. Anxiety will make you do that. You know what it does? It just increases yours and increases those that you point your finger at. Here's the third thing David said. He said, Lord, I want you to prepare me. Verse 24, first part, he said, Lord, I want you to see if there's any wicked way in me. Now, it's very easy for us to look out to the world and say, Lord, I want you to fix all the wickedness out there in the world. <laughs> but David knew that if revival was going to start in his area or in his church or even in his family, it was going to start with him. See, David asked the Lord to reveal if there's any secret sin that he's been trying to hide from the Lord. Here's a good question. Do you truly today, and I'm asking you from God's heart through my heart to your heart, do you truly desire to see the power of God demonstrated in your life? I bet everybody says, absolutely, yes, sure I do, preacher. Then I want to tell you what you've got to do, okay? Here's the first thing you've got to do. If you want to see God fully use you for his glory, you want to see his power fully demonstrated, manifested in your life, here's what you've got to do. You've got to deal with any secret sin in your life. Now, here's what secret sin is. God knows about it. You can't hide anything from Him. There's nothing. You can't find anywhere under the sun hiding anything from Him. But it's stuff you're hiding from people you love most. It's stuff you're trying to avoid talking to God about. You're going to have to deal with that if you want God to fully use you for His glory. See, most believers only want their ticket to heaven and nothing more. They want God to save them and they want God to leave them alone. But He don't do that. He don't do that. See, when I brought my children home from the hospital, I didn't say, good, we got you here, fend for yourself. No, I got personally and intimately involved in their life from day one. And I want to say this to you. Your heavenly father, he's pure and righteous. He's not a fallen man like me. And he loves you. He cares for you. He's going to get involved in your life. He, if you're his, he's not going to leave you alone. That's so good. It's important we understand that. Because there's a big problem with the approach of saying, God, just take me to heaven and leave me alone, because here's what happens. When we take that approach, we deny the character of God. See, we learned earlier, and, and I know you know this as well as I do, but there's many names for God in Scripture, and one of my favorite is the name Adonai. See, Adonai, that name for God means this, that he came into your life to take over your life. He's all up in your business because your business is his business. So he came in to take over, and he said, what else he wants to do? He wants to provide for you a life that is filled with more than you could ever imagine, 
more opportunities to serve, more power, more glory, more grace, more mercy. He came into your life to do all those things, but it cannot be possible if you do not deal with secret sin. Very important. See, many believers today miss out on the blessings and real power that's available to them when, when we realize that he's given us the very keys to unlock the storehouse of the blessings of God. I don't know about you, I don't want to just go through this life just meandering alone. I want to make sure every step, every breath, every moment, every day brings glory to the King of kings and Lord of lords who bled and died for me on the cross, who went to a grave and got up three days later. I want to tell you, I want every day to matter for him. And I deeply desire to see the power of heaven brought down to earth because I believe with all of my heart that when we do that, we can share his story of grace with the world. Here's what Tony Evans said. He said, so if we're only Christians on Sunday, we shouldn't be surprised if we don't see the power of God in our lives Monday through Saturday. In the kingdom of God, there is power and the church has access to it. We are to manifest the power of heaven's kingdom here on earth. It's all about having that kingdom agenda that we studied about. The comprehensive rule of God over every area of your life. That's how you bring glory to God. Dr. Evans goes on to say this. He says, too often the church backs up when hell shows up. But the true test of a church's power is whether hell backs up when the church shows up. See, if hell doesn't back up when the church shows up, then we are not building Christ's church. Instead, we are building our church and using Christ's name for it. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it time that the church stood up and that hell would back up instead of continually falling to all the tricks of Satan? See, hell will only back up when we show up if we are as open as David was to God and allow God to prepare us for the battle ahead through the cleansing of the wickedness of sin. It's very important that we understand that. Very, very important. And then there's one final statement he said. He said, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. You know what he's saying? He said, Lord, would you protect me? Does anybody need God to protect you right now? There's been times throughout this pandemic I'd lay down to go to sleep and my heart would just be racing. My mind would be racing. I'd be thinking about all the people and all the things and all the, the stuff that needs to be done and, and all the things going on around us. And my heart would start racing and breathing would get heavy and all that kind of stuff. And I would just ask God, God, I'm not going to be able to go to sleep unless you just put your arms around me. You know what? He's faithful to do that. See, David was living in the present with the end in mind. Too many people are living in the present and they're not thinking about the end. They're not thinking about judgment. They're not thinking about eternity. Not, no matter how much us preachers try to warn you and try to prepare you, there's still many saying, you know what, that's a long way off. Well, I'll never forget the day Caitlin was born, I thought, It'll be a long time before she's grown. <laughs> oh, boy, that went fast. I'll never forget being young, 18 years old, thinking it'd be a long, 40-year-old people are old. Wow, I was wrong. See, David was living in the present end in mind, and he knew this. He knew that he could not trust his own intellect. He knew that he could not trust his own ability to think, to navigate the dangers of life. He knew that the only way he could navigate the dangers of life was to submit to God's leadership. And friend, I want to encourage you to do that through this time. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. Do it for your church. Do it for your community. And Lord, do it for this nation. Submit to God's leadership. Let him have comprehensive rule over every area of your life. And then when the devil shows up, you don't have to back up. You don't have to do that. So are you living with the end in mind? Are you ready for when your time comes? You know, for the longest, I didn't know anybody that had this virus. Now I know a lot of people that have had it. I know a lot of people that have recovered. I know some that have not. I know some that went on to glory. Maybe some went into eternity. Not sure where they'd spend eternity. I don't know. But are you going to trust God for the rest of your days? And are you prepared? 
for when your time comes. David knew his time was coming. He knew his time was coming, and we know ours is coming too. I read something I want to share with you in closing today that really, really helped me. It's called a little article called A Perspective on Death. We've heard a lot about that. Every day the numbers are blasted in front of us, aren't they? Every day, no matter which news station you watch, no matter which what you pull up on your phone or, or, or whatever you do to get your news, every day the numbers are blasted. They, they tell us this is rising, that's rising. Then you hear a little good news, and then that'll go away. And they tell you over 200,000 people in this country died since the beginning of this virus pandemic. So what's our perspective on death? Well, this is something I read. Lady wrote this, said this, says, I am not afraid of death because I know it can be a blessing. It is humanism to think that the best that could ever happen to us here on earth is here on earth, but that's not true. Said, I view death as a coronation. My death will be a victory. She said, I want the hallelujah chorus sang at my funeral. I don't want to leave my family but I know it is going to be fantastic on the other side, as Paul said in Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ and to die is gain. She said the keys of death are in Jesus' hands, not Satan's. Did you know that? Revelation chapter 1, verse 8 tells us they're in his hands, not Satan's. And she goes on to say, when I die, I'm going to get my crown and I'm going to live with Jesus and I'm, I'm going to be able to touch his hand. I will see my children that have died before me, my father and my husband's father. That's what death is to me. There are many people whose lives seem to be prematurely snuffed out. She said, when my seven-month-old daughter died, I came to the conclusion that the purpose of her life was fulfilled in those seven months. Boy, that took grace, didn't it? She said, that experience transformed me and my view of death has come into focus because of my daughter. Amazing how our experiences have shaped us. She said, we are not here to fulfill our own purpose. We are here to fulfill God's purpose. She said, I am living in conformity with God's will. If I am obeying Him and doing what He tells me step by step every day, then when He comes and when it comes time for me to die, I know it will be the very next step in his will. How did you see that? Well, what a perspective. And I want you to know that sounds like a surrendered life to me. A person who has surrendered themselves completely and totally to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and said, this experience of losing a seven-month-old daughter, I can only imagine how traumatic that was. She said, I had to come to the realization that God had fulfilled his purpose. And that because of that experience, I realize that when my time comes, God has fulfilled his purpose. But what about you? When it comes time for you to die, will you say, I live in obedience to God? I lived allowing him to investigate my heart and life, to make me aware of any sin, even the secret sin, that I could get it right and get on with him. Because when you die, you're going to stand before God in judgment. The Bible's clear. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed the man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. So for the child of God, when you die, you're going to enter the presence of Jesus. Amen. Did you know that's some good news? You're going to enter the presence of Jesus, but I want you to know you're either going to enter the presence of Jesus in obedience you will enter the presence of Jesus in the shame of disobedience. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know now, you got time to fix that. You got time to do something about it. You got time to get right with God. Like the old country preachers say, just get right with God. And the way you get right with God is you do what He said and you say the same thing about your sin that He says and you repent. Invite Him. Say, God, show me. Because church, hear me. As we come through, and Lord willing, to the other side of this pandemic, somewhere out there in the future, I pray that we're stronger and not weaker. I pray that these experiences of frustration and stretching and pruning and prodding are going to make us stronger. 
and not weaker. But let me tell you what will make us weaker is if we harbor known sin and we don't confess it to God. But what will make us stronger is if we live daily in the light of His Word and we get up each day and before God we read Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24 and say, search me, know me, prove me, try me. Do all these things so that I can live in obedience and this is the best part, that I will leave in obedience. I don't know when the time of my departure is, but I'm like Paul. I believe for the church, our time of departure is closer than it's ever been. It could be any moment, any day. But when that time comes, I certainly don't want to meet him in shameful disobedience. If you're not a Christian, I want you to hear me very clearly. If you're not 100% sure that you have committed your life to Christ through repentance of your sin and trusting Jesus and Jesus alone, not Jesus among others, but Jesus alone as your Lord and Savior. If you're not sure you've done that, then I want to tell you today is the day. Today is the day that you need to get right before God and say, God, I realize I'm a sinner. I acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. I believe you raised him from the dead. I receive him. I pray you receive me. And I'll tell you, based on the word of God, you can become a new creature in Christ today. And when this life is over, you can have the assurance of a home in heaven. So if you don't have that, I want you to have that. If you need to know more about how to do that, you can send us a message on this page. Do whatever you want to do. You can call our office, 4632-256-463-2576. We'll be glad to talk to you, glad to help you. And we want to do whatever it takes. And if you're a member of our church, you say, hey, Pastor, I mean, man, I've been struggling. Pastor, I ain't know what to do. Reach out. It's been so weird. We have to, we, we get to have church. And then when we get to have church, we have to do social distancing. It's been kind of weird. I haven't been able to give come forward invitations. I've known I need to get right. I don't know what to do. You send me a private message on here. You call me, 706-767-6073, and say, I need to get right with God. It don't have to be known to nobody but me and you and Jesus. But I'll tell you, when you get right with him, you're going to want to tell people. You can't keep his goodness to yourself. But I'm just saying to you, you matter to God. You matter to me. And I want God to make a difference in this world through you. And that's how he does it. Being obedient is very significant to the impact we make on this world. So I want to thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be with you today. Thank you so much. It's a beautiful Sunday morning. Lord, man, beautiful day. A lot of sunshine. Uh, get outside and social distance as much as you want to. That's what I'm going to do. And I want to encourage you to do that. And do know that you matter to us. Stay up to date with us this week. We'll be doing other videos throughout the week. Pray for one another. Please pray for me. I, I need you to. And I want you to know I'm praying for you. And before I go, i got to tell you, you know I love you. There ain't a thing you can do about it. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Look forward to talking with you soon.